What's up? You are now listening to Americanized, a storytelling podcast where you'll hear from eclectic first and second generation Americans share their stories and real life experiences as children of immigrants. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Rosalind Clary, and I'm bringing you episode one of The COVID Files a series that features low-quality audio but high-quality conversations. And these were recorded back in summer of 2020, also known as COVID Summer. So, let's get into episode one. Foreign-born Americans often share unique experiences of becoming Americanized. Born in Ivory Coast but raised in America, and now living back in Ivory Coast with no rush, to return to America is my big sister Jenny. In this episode, she shares her experiences of living back home in her native country after spending 24 years in America. We discuss language, accents, cultural insecurities, and her coming to the Christianity faith. Stay tuned to hear her story. Hello, my name is Jennifer Flalu. I actually currently am living in Abidjan, Ivory Coast, which is in Africa, but I grew up in the USA. Um, my hobbies are listening to music. My first interest is God, getting to know God better, I guess. That's my interest. Also doing nails as well. The journey coming back home, it was really unexpected. So in the beginning, it was very hard, especially with the language. In Ivory Coast, we speak French. And I am not, I was not fluent in French. I was more uh, uh, fluent in English, of course. So like the language was really hard with the language, you know, being with family, they don't understand you. Me too, I don't understand them. Well, I can't express myself correctly in the language and like it's very different from the US. So it took some time to adapt to everything. But with time, I started getting used to everything and I even started enjoying my country. Like I like my country. I prefer my country uh, to the US. So it took a lot of time to adapt and like back home. Um, if I have to compare back home to like the US, it's like, I mean, in here in Ivory Coast, like I know some people when they think of Africa, they think of like the jungle and the woods and like no food, no water and stuff like that. But where I'm staying, there's houses, people build houses, there's supermarkets, there's malls, there's even Burger King. The main difference is just the weather. And maybe like like the transport is different and the weather it's always hot. There's like a period where it's hot, a period where it's windy and where it's rainy. But yeah, that's a little bit of how everything is here back home. It's interesting. Oh, it's yeah. interesting. I like how you how you say my country, like you you enjoy your country. 
So I noticed that over the the more I talked to you recently and even a couple maybe like a couple years back, mm-hmm. I've developed an accent. I've noticed. Oh, I don't like to tell me that. Oh. <laughs> Someone else told me that from the U.S. I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, what? Really? I don't even. Yeah, I'm like, no, this is the same way I've been talking. I know there's like, when I talk, some words get stuck, but I don't know about the accent. I think, well, it's not, I don't know if it's really an accent, but you do talk slower. Yeah. That's what I, that's something that really stuck out. Because when we were all there, our cousins kept telling us how fast we talk. And I'm probably mm-hmm. speaking faster than you are now. And yeah, you, but when you talk, it's like a lot slower. I feel like I try to talk fast, but then like it gets me like I mix up my words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even like mommy and daddy, they still have their accents. And I didn't realize yeah. that mommy had an accent until my roommate in college pointed it out, saying that she likes mommy's accent. I never really heard it. It wasn't as strong, but now that I, like, it's been pointed out, I can hear it. When mommy came here and she spoke French, people said, like, her accent changed. Mm. And I feel like it's kind of true. Like, when she speaks French, it sounds, I don't know, different from the way they speak it here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, sometimes she even says, like, she doesn't, like, she might forget a word or something. Mm-hmm. But the language... Like your first language, English, will always, will always stick with you. Yep. So more on language. I remember growing up, we knew automatically just knew the basic, some basic words like in French that they would speak with us. Exactly. Like take a shower or take a bath, go to bed, eat. The wear. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, that, I don't know. I don't know why that word just sounds better than underwear. So they would speak French to us and then we would speak English back to them. I don't think it was (laughs) ever taught. French was ever taught to us. It was just picked up. Yeah, that's true. We do try to speak English or French. We always get made fun of. You do that to me now. Because of your accent. (laughs) I have one of my friends here. She's from uh, Virginia. And it's same thing with uh Auntie Lori with her son Dania. They're from like what North Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. So when she speaks English, I know we have different accents, of course. But when she speaks French, like her accent, I feel like it sticks out so much more than like when I speak. Of course, people are always like, "Oh, when you have your own accent, you can't hear your own accent." When when you talk, other people hear it. But when she speaks French, it's like the same thing, like when you speak French or when even Dania speaks French, like, I don't know, the accent is so, it's just there. It's so strong, <laughs> the American yeah. accent. Uh-huh. And it's fun. Does she also have like, a Southern accent when she speaks French? No, she just has like, like her accent is just so, I don't know how to explain it, so plain and like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you just, you know, like she doesn't speak the language. Mm. Yeah. It's funny, though. I remember studying abroad, and I always would attempt to speak French, but hmm. automatically people just knew that was not my language. Yeah, when I speak French here, some people, they can tell. It depends on the words you say as well. Mm-hmm. Because 
like the R. Oh yeah. Mm-mm. Very hard and um like the words you have to pronounce they can tell from what you're saying, like they can tell. But then it depends on other words that are simple, they can't they don't catch it easily. Sometimes when I talk to people they be as like, Oh, are you Nigerian? Are you Ghanaian? Like they they know there's an accent. Some people can't tell as quick as others. Oh. Yeah. One time I was mistaken for being like British. Someone thought I had a British accent. I think he was he was Nigerian in Paris speaking <laughs> French and thought I was British. Really? Yeah, that was the first. I get mistaken for either being Nigerian or Ghanaian since those feel like the English speaking countries here. So what's it like when you are talking to someone and they make a comment about your accent or something like that? Some people are like, some people think it's funny in my accent. Some people ask like, oh, do you speak English? I'm like, yeah. And that's like, it stops there. But other people, I, I go into detail by saying, oh, I was born here, but I grew up in the U.S. So that's why I have that accent. But it's so tiring because everywhere I go, there's always someone who, who notices and acts. So I just say, oh, I'm just, I just speak English. That's all. I don't go into too much detail because it's very tiring to do that each time. Yeah, I can imagine. Exactly. I remember, I think you were in middle school. Mm-hmm. You had an assignment where it was like a biography assignment and you had to share like where you were born and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this sticks with me, but I remember you wanted to say that you were from, you were born in New York. I have a feeling I was gonna lie about it when you when you started talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? I don't really remember. Yeah, I remember that because I was like, why, why is she saying that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. I was recently reading this article about West Africans who are second generation, so they. They're a child of immigrants, basically, and a lot of them develop this sense of being ashamed of their African roots due to, like, the stereotypes yeah. attached to that from, like, people, basically Americans with, like, skewed views of what Africa is like, mm-hmm. and so they become distant, they form a distance from Africa, so I wonder if maybe that's... I won't, well, look, I'm trying to, I'm already trying to speak French. Um, <laughs> in, while I was in maybe elementary school, of course, we grew up in like a white neighborhood, you know, the school, the elementary school, the Callahan, the majority of the people there were white and like all my classmates were white. So even at that young age, I always wanted to be white. I was always with the white girls, the white girls that were popular. I wanted to be white. I wanted to be those girls, even the little the boys. I had crushes on them. I was never interested in the black people, you know. So then even in middle school, we go to middle school and um there's more black people and like my friends in middle school, like at first I had a classmate, her name is, her name was Brienne. 
since both of our names, last names that was K, we were like together, like our lockers were together, our, our desks were together. Like I think I sat behind her or something like that. So we became friends and she was so pretty and I was jealous and all that stuff. I just wanted to be those white girls and like, and I had a, a separate friends like Janaea and Ashley and them, but like, oh, the middle school was just like the worst because I don't know. I didn't get along with that group of black people. They always made fun of me. Like, I just felt like left out. Like, I didn't join in. I didn't feel like I was part of their group, even though we were all black. I, like, maybe I even wanted to be with them, but I felt more comfortable with the white kids. But then, like, even in, um, in high school, that's when everything changed. Like, I started to like black people because in high school there's a majority of people there's black people there's spanish people you know it's not just white people nor in high school there's a majority of uh, of different races so i start you know liking being black you know hanging out with the black kids being friends with the black kids and all that stuff liking white people all that stuff i forgot about it it's like in high school i started appreciated being black and even then, like, in high school, middle school, people always used to make fun of Africans, saying Africans are like this, Africans are like that, because in the majority, the majority of them were, e- like, were either Haitian or, like, Jamaican. There weren't really too many Africans like me. That's what I can say about uh, the culture, African culture being a little bit rejected. I really resonate with that. And I think yep. it's interesting how the older you got, the more diverse your circle became and the more yeah. you became, you began to appreciate black culture. Mm-hmm. The irony of that is that now you see the African culture is more appreciated. Yeah, definitely. Everybody like the, like the pine, like there's a African pine that's really popular in the U.S. I don't know if you know what I'm t- talking about. The, yeah, uh, the shiki that they use. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that came from here, and like everybody wants to have one, and like even like the waist beads. Well, a lot of it's like not. I know some of those things are not just like from Africa. There's some like the islands and other black, other black cultures and stuff like that. But everyone is like into it now. But people are getting, um, if I can say hip to Africa. Mm-hmm. What people see on TV, it's more to that. I even remember, remember my friend Chelsea, right? Yeah. She even wanted to come out here with her son and everything, but the uh, plane ticket was too expensive. And I know a bunch of people who, even on Facebook, like I see people who want to come to Africa. They don't know what country they go to, but they want to come and visit. I'm like, yeah. A lot of the people realize that everyone is interested in Africa now. So, like, Africa and blackness has always been cool. And now mm-hmm. I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of things are just coming to light. Yeah. It's annoying and it's unfortunate that our upbringing had to be, like, yeah, anti-Africa. Mm-hmm. So I love country. I love the culture here. I love everything. Like I don't, I'm not even like in a rush to go back to the USA like I was in the beginning. Because I can stay here. I'm comfortable here. 
yeah, I'm not in a rush to go back to the U.S. I'm comfortable here. And I wish, like, other people could get the chance to go to their country, not even to their own country, maybe even in Ivory Coast. I love the culture. I'm a part of the culture because it's funny. Like, the way they say African, uh, Ivorian people are rude. Like, I fit into that, uh, what can I say? I fit in it, you know? Like, the way they talk. Like, I just feel like I belong here. Even though I didn't grow up here, I feel like I belong. And it's interesting. You know, I find that really interesting. It's like, it's in my blood. Even though I didn't grow up here, like, it's in, like, Ivorian is in my blood. So I came here. I'm staying here and like, I don't know. I just feel like I fit here. That's powerful. <laughs> I really love that. Yeah. I feel like I could never say that though. I love the culture and I could, I feel like I wouldn't fit in. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I feel right here. I don't know. It's true because you guys grew up there. So like the American is in your blood. Yeah. I grew up there too, they're American. It's like both are in my blood because some people, they say like, oh, when we see you, we already know that you don't belong here. You belong somewhere else. My friend, one of my friends always told me that. Even like when he sees my pictures on Facebook, he's like, you don't belong here. You belong over there. You're just like based off of pictures. So it's great that you're coming back to your roots and really loving them. Something that I'm thinking about now is you saying that when you were younger, you want you wanted to be white. Yep. I feel like I'm sure you're not alone in. I'm sure you're not alone in that. Hearing that, it's a lot sad, actually. Yeah, it's it's more. Uh, in today, it's it's getting like worse. Like it's more or more occurring these days. Because I even remember, like, mommy used to have, like, the uh, cream for lightening the skin. You remember? Mm-hmm. And I remember I wanted to use it, too, so I can be lighter. But I ended up uh, stopped using it because I, I ended up not caring anymore. But mm-hmm. here, like, oh, my gosh. If you, they even have, like, a group on Facebook to share secrets about how to be lighter. People bleach their skin. What the celebrities, the celebrities do, they want to do it, too. Like, um... The acids and stuff like that, like, it's crazy. So, of course, colorism is huge there. Yes. Not even here, but I think, like, and especially in Jamaica, too. Like, I used to read, like, a lot of, watch a lot of videos on YouTube about that and documentaries about that. And people will do it, and, like, it messes up their skin. Some of the skin is, like, black. The other part, like, it's just horrible. But some people do it, too, and it works perfectly. Right, it's like I've seen a lot. It's like Ruby's body and body. yeah, and they want to find um remedies to fix them. Like, <laughs> why would you, you can't? I don't think you can fix that. That's unfortunate because black skin, the melanin, beautiful. You can't exactly. That's the word. Like, I don't see how you can't want that. Like, I'm even trying to. Yeah. I'm trying to get darker, actually. <laughs> I just want glowing skin. I don't know about getting darker, though. <laughs> if I knew, like, earlier, I would have never, like, used products. I would have just took very good care of my skin. Yeah, that's what matters. Taking care of what you have and not longing for something that isn't yours. Yeah. 
that will damage your skin. Exactly. Do you know, like, what led to you being... I don't want to put words in your mouth, but did you feel, like, negative about your African roots or ashamed? Or, like, what was that feeling, do you think? Yeah, I think just because, like, you, like with the uh, media and all that stuff, people at school, it makes you feel bad, ashamed, and exactly what you said, pretty much. Makes you feel bad, made me feel like ashamed, black is ugly. And I think, like, just, like, the most part of it was just the environment of being around white people, and, like, it's just white people, you know? I think that was that might have been like the the main thing. I agree. The way we grew up in that town, I feel like they're so sheltered and not cultured. So yeah. anything outside of what they know, they're gonna take it like that's what it is. Yeah. So any like view or perception of Africa, and if they know you're like straight from Africa, I can imagine the thoughts yeah. they have. Now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Negative thoughts. Exactly. Like with when you're in a black home, everyone's black, so you belong there, you feel accepted. But like in, if you're going to a school and you're the only black person there, you feel kind of like, like out of the box, like you don't belong there, like you just feel different from everybody else. Mm-hmm. There's more comfort in the home because you're amongst your people. And you, earlier you said something that I also experienced, like not really being comfortable with your black American peers at school, mm-hmm. which to me, I just always find that so interesting because yeah, we're black, we share a common skin, yeah, but the culture, black culture and African culture, and not even, it's not even African culture, it's like a African culture trying to be Americanized, like a in between. Yeah, like I wanted to, I liked them so much. I wanted to fit in so much, but I just felt like very out of the box. Even you know, they would have like their Nikes and all that stuff, and I didn't have Nikes, so you know all that difference. Mm-hmm. You remember shopping at AJ Wright? That's the shut down now, but you remember it? Yeah, in Quincy, right? Yeah. Yep. Tried so hard to get, like, stuff that would fit in with my friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. To get Jordan so bad. Yeah. And you did. I don't know and if I, you're real or not. <laughs> I know, right? I got <laughs> yeah. to fit in, but mm. I don't know. It's funny to look at that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I used to think, like, you know, like slang or like, um, they call it mm-hmm. African American vernacular. A speech, like, I would try to talk like them. Yeah. It was so weird. I wish, I don't know. It's like a cringy memory. I know, and always trying to like match because they love matching. Match. Oh my gosh, remember when I got those big green speakers? <laughs> I forget. What is it, Kedish or something like that? Yeah, something. My, my shirt with the green and blue stripes and everything. Oh, my God. When I went to school that day, they were making fun of me at my shoes. I just felt so out of place there. Mm. You know, I, what was it? Uh, I forget if it's middle school or high school when you go in and everyone's in the gym. What school was that? That's middle school. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. And everyone's in the 
them and it was with their friends talking and stuff like that. I remember that day. I was just felt so I thought I was fly and everything, but I was just so out of the box. You know? Yeah. And the and worst part is like middle school was the worst time to first for me. Yeah. Especially finding yourself. Yeah. That was just horrible. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the bus stop we had to stand at, and like, I just I can see how colorful we looked with our <laughs> bright colors matching. Oh my gosh! How did you come to Christianity and your relationship with God becoming your primary interest? My, if you want to like talk about my conversion, I guess. Um, I know when I first came here, like when I when I started going to school, there were times like when I was thinking like, oh, I really need to start going back to church because I haven't been to church in a long time but i was like where the school is is like another part of abidjan so it's like i don't know any school i mean i don't know any church i don't know anyone here who goes to church so like i would just think about it but then like it would just leave my mind and i would just keep doing what i wanted to do i was trying to really search for god but like i don't feel like i was doing it seriously like I knew I had to do something but I wasn't being so serious about it so I think what really made me look uh search for him uh is when mommy came because I was living with grandma and grandma was going to church every Sunday so obviously if mommy comes she's gonna be going with grandma and everyone else. And if I stay at the house, it would be a little bit weird. So I guess it was because of mommy, I started going to church with all of them. I know I was going to like a, a church where my friend at school, her dad is a pastor, but they're a Methodist. So since they speak English, I decided to go there. But it really wasn't like what I was used to in evangelic churches. So I ended up stopped going there and I was going with grandma and mommy. And I was going there just to go. Like, I know there were some messages that I appreciated and I wanted to try to change and do all that stuff. But then like when mommy was getting ready to leave, I was like, oh, I don't want to keep going to this church. But if I stop going, grandma would be like, oh. She only was coming because of mommy and all that stuff. So I kept going, even though like I wasn't going there really because like I wanted to, I was just going there to please them. But I was trying to change a little bit by little bit. So then my friend was talking to me about his church, which is the church that I'm going to now, saying that they have programs, prayer programs every Tuesday and Thursday. So when I went there, I felt like comfortable there. I liked the place and he wanted me to come Sunday, but I was like, Oh, I already go to church with my grandma. 
if I stop going with her, she will start talking. So I decided to finally go one Sunday, and I liked it. So that's what made me keep going there, and that's what really made me want to really change and start. So I decided, like, they were having, like, a wake for, like, the youth. So I went, and, like, one of the people were like, oh, who wants to give their life to Jesus? They have to come up. So I was, like, looking around. Nobody was going up. So I decided to go. So I gave my life, and I started to take, like, the maturity classes to learn more about, like, God and stuff like that and baptized and just trying to, you know, be on the right path. I just got to a point where I where I realized like everything that I've done, like it's like just like it's not that type of life is not interesting. And a lot of people did like the stuff I've been doing, but they are probably like dead. They probably like, you know, Bad stuff happened to them, but uh, everything I went through, like, God was watching over me in every situation because if I'm still, like, alive today, that's because God has a plan for me because I couldn't imagine my life if I was still doing those things that I was doing. So that's what, like, made me be thankful because I even remember one time, like, I was depressed, but... It wasn't until after I realized I was depressed. And I came in my room and I was crying like, oh, God, why is my life like this? This is before, like, I decided to take God seriously. And, like, I was so, like, unhappy. I even tried to shave, like, my hair was already cut. And I wanted to, like, cut my hair. So I took a razor and I was in the bathroom just trying to shave it off. And I was just doing, like, something so stupid on my head. Like, I was so depressed. So I was crying to God, like, why is my life like this? What is all of this? Why, 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 why? And it was like, after mommy came and like everything started changing. So, so that's what made um, me feel, made me want to put God as my first interest because I remember thinking like, oh, I'm not going to go to hell. I'm going to go to heaven because like, I don't, I didn't kill anyone. I didn't, you know, do all these bad things. But honestly, if I was supposed to die and God was supposed to send me somewhere, it would be hell. And I didn't even like, you know, I didn't realize that. I was thinking like my life was totally fine. But in reality, it wasn't. So when I think about all that, you know, that's what made me search God because God has been so faithful to me with his love. So I owe it to him too, to be faithful to him. The Christian life is really not easy. It's really not easy, but I'm trying, and that's pretty much it. It's not easy, but it is the way. Yeah. It's really amazing and powerful. Yeah, God is capable. Mm-hmm. Humans cannot do God is capable, so I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful, and I know I have to keep working on myself. God is working. Every time I think about you, I always think about how much of an inspiration you are and how you did come to put God in Christianity as the top number one thing. Yeah, thank you. We were put on this earth for a reason, and 
God's ways are higher than yeah. earth, so. It's funny how God works. He started going to church to please people, and he said, Yep. He said, I'm going to show you something. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. What are you leaving the listeners with today? Um, the first message I want to tell my listeners is to love their culture, to love their home country, to get to know more about where they actually came from. Even if like they are were born in America and their parents weren't, they should get to know their country and know their culture. Nothing is wrong with that because it's important as well. And the second message I want to give to my listeners is to really like take time to think about your life, what you're doing. Is it good? Is it bad? To really take time to think about the man who created you. And when I'm talking about the man who created you, I'm talking about God. Because sometimes we do stuff we don't, we don't really like see like um the reality of what we're doing like you can do stuff and you don't even really know like the consequences and all that stuff because heaven and hell are real so i want to tell my listeners that god loves you no matter what uh attach yourself to god come back to god remember him and he will accept you he just wants you to be sincere and honest with him. And I think that's all I have to say. And God bless everyone who's listening. Amen, amen. Finger snaps. <laughs> Alright. And to end for real, you can, okay. can pray us out. Okay, I don't mind. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this moment uh for this interview i thank you for this moment and i thank you for this time of sharing i thank you for my sister's life i thank you for my life as well god and i thank you for all the people who are listening god i pray that you help all of us to really come closer to you to really get to know you to really be faithful and be sincere with you god Help us to go deeper in our relationship with you, God. Your word says that nobody can come to you unless you attract them to you, God. So I pray that you attract each and one of us, me and my sister, our family, and all those who are listening to you, God. Help us be faithful to you the same way you have been faithful to us. Help us love our neighbors our enemies, like the same way you love us. God, I pray that you bless each and one of us, God. You know everyone's heart. You know what everyone wants in their heart, God. I pray that you can bless us with the desires of our heart and that you can open doors in each of our and everyone's life. God, you have promised great things to each and one of us. I pray that what you have promised can accomplish in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, for everything you do in our lives. Thank you for protecting us and watching over us and giving us great health. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That was a strong prayer. That's the level I'm trying to get up. <laughs> Thank you so much for allowing this to happen. Thank you as well for having me, of course. 
good conversation, good reflections, and all that. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. You too. I love you. Love you too. to the end of the episode thank you so much for listening and for sticking around despite the quality issues i hope to catch you in the next episode and especially in the next covid file episode in this series if you are not already following americanized on instagram you better get on that and follow americanized on instagram at americanized same spelling as the podcast show title also be sure to check out Stubborn Saul on all music listening platforms at S-T-B-R-N-S-A-L. He produced all the original music featured in this episode. Take care. Catch you in the next episode.